1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: There's no other way to survive the wilderness unless God provides for you. And listen, sometimes God will take us into the wilderness and He will strip everything away and He does it to humble us and to test us, to show us what is really in our heart, whether we will keep His commandments or not. That's why he brings us through these wilderness seasons.
1: Have you ever had to learn something the hard way? It can be very humbling to be the only one in the group that struggles with an assignment or an activity. Sometimes you'll go years without a bump in the road, and then, like a light switch, nothing seems to go right. Well, today, Pastor Dan says this is normal, and it's all part of God's plan for your life. Everyone needs to be reminded of their limits and that they are not in charge. Humility will go a long way to soften your heart toward others and deepen your faith in God. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 15 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: people still today, many of them still believe that they'll recognize their Messiah because he will build a temple and it will be a temple built by the Messiah and not by human hands. The Lord's hands will establish it and he will reign forever as king from that temple. I'm going to show you another verse. If you want to turn with me to Zechariah 6, verse 12, then speak to him saying, thus says the Lord of hosts saying, behold, the man whose name is is the branch, when the Bible uses the word branch, it's talking about the heir of a royal throne. From his place he shall branch out. This is a messianic prophecy about the man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the heir to the throne. He shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord." Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord, he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule on his throne, so he shall be a priest on his throne. He's going to be a king and a priest. And the council of peace shall be between them both. So this is telling us that the branch, the Messiah, will build a temple, and he's going to build it, Exodus tells us, without human hands. The Messiah himself will build... This temple. Now, why am I making such a big deal out of this? I'll tell you why. In the New Testament, in Mark chapter 14, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark Chapter 14, when Jesus was on trial before the religious leaders, they brought in false witnesses. And one of the accusations that was made against Jesus in Mark chapter 14, verse 58, if you're taking notes, Mark 14, 58. One of the accusations made against Jesus was that he said he will destroy this temple that is made with hands and within three days he will build another made without hands. Now, when they said that he will build a temple without hands or human hands, the accusation they are making against Jesus goes back to Exodus chapter 15. The Lord is the one, God is the one who will build and establish a dwelling place by his own hands. And so they're accusing Jesus in that false accusation of claiming to be God. To say that he's going to build a temple without human hands. And in Mark chapter 14, right after that accusation is made against Jesus, the high priest says to Jesus, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? To which Jesus said, I am. Where did you think he get that from? Exodus 6, right? I am. And then the high priest rents his garment and says, what more evidence do we need? This man has spoken blasphemy. He's claiming to be God. All of that goes back to Exodus chapter 15 and this verse here about the temple. I know that's kind of a long way around the barn to get to that, but I think it's important to see that, that that accusation that's made against Jesus when he's on trial, actually comes from Exodus chapter 15. Now, back in Exodus chapter 15, verse 19, For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Verse 20, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. So this is Miriam, the older sister of Moses and Aaron. And she is described here as a prophetess, meaning she had the gift of prophecy. God gave her words to speak to the people. There are five prophetesses mentioned in the Old Testament And five prophetesses mentioned in the New Testament that have this prophetic gift. In the Old Testament, you have Miriam, referred to here, along with Deborah, Huldah, Noadiah, and the unnamed wife of Isaiah. We're told she's a prophet, she has a gift of prophecy, but we don't know her name. In the New Testament, you have Anna and the four daughters of Philip, mentioned in Acts chapter 21. And so Miriam has the gift of prophecy. God speaks through her to the people. And Miriam led this dancing group of women. As they're celebrating and they're praising God, she leads this group of women dancing and singing. And we're told that they all have timbrels, which were like tambourines. It's interesting that all the women brought tambourines with them when they left Egypt. You know, one of the women said, wait, I think I have a tambourine in my purse. And all the other women said, I think I have a tambourine in my purse, too. And all the husbands said, why do you have a tambourine in your purse? And all the women said, you just never know when you might need a tambourine. God might do something miraculous and you'll want to worship with a tambourine. How long has that tambourine been in your purse? I've had it there for a few years, but I've had it there for this. You wouldn't understand. You're right, I wouldn't understand why you'd have a tambourine you plan on carrying this through the desert for the whole 40 years? And so they danced and they sang, verse 21. And Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he is thrown into the sea. And that brings us to verse 22. And so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And then they went out into the wilderness of shore. And they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. And so now they launch out from the Red Sea into the wilderness of shore. Now, the wilderness is what we would call desert. The wilderness is harsh, it's barren, it's rugged. It's difficult. Listen to how the Bible describes the wilderness. It describes the wilderness as a desolate place, a wasteland, a deserted place, a remote place, a parched land, sun scorched, dry, a place of drought. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 6, you don't have to turn there. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 6, it says of the Lord bringing them out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits. The wilderness is the pits. Through a land of drought and the shadow of death. Death is always close by in the wilderness. Through a land, listen, that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. No one lived in the wilderness. No one travels through the wilderness. It's a place of drought. It's a place of deserts. It's a place of pits or ravines. In the late 1800s, George Adam Smith traveled to Israel and the surrounding countries, and he wrote a book about his travels through the Holy Land. And he said about the wilderness, quote, You may travel for hours and feel as solitary as a ship at sea without a sail in sight. The wilderness lacks everything. It lacks everything necessary to sustain human life. There's no food. There's very little water. Egypt had everything. Plenty of water in Egypt. You got the Nile River. You never run out of water. You never worried about water in Egypt. Egypt had everything. The wilderness has nothing. In the wilderness, everything is stripped away. And please note, give me your attention. Please note this. After delivering Israel from Egypt, God took them out into the wilderness. The wilderness is God's plan. God's plan, right? If you were writing this, I were writing this. Let's just hang out here on the beach next to the Red Sea for a couple more days. And we'll go straight to the promised land. And we'll get some of that milk and honey. God's plan is, let's go out into the wilderness. Where everything is stripped away. Where it's hard just to survive. Where you're living in the shadow of death all the time. Now, why the wilderness? Well, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We've looked at this before, but it's worth looking at again. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 1, the Lord says... Every commandment which I command you, this is at the end of the 40 years, right before they enter the promised land. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember, verse 2, that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble you and test you. And to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so he humbled you. And he allowed you to hunger. And he fed you with manna. Which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know. That he might make you know. That man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The wilderness is teaching will teach, does teach, them how to walk by faith and depend upon God for everything. You have to in the wilderness.
1: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
2: We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
1: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
2: There's no other way to survive the wilderness unless God provides for you. And listen, sometimes God will take us into the wilderness, and he will strip everything away, and he does it to humble us and to test us, to show us what is really in our heart whether we will keep his commandments or not. That's why he brings us through these wilderness seasons in life. I love what David Guzik says in his commentary. He says, the wilderness shows the children of Israel if they are worshiping people who occasionally murmur or murmuring people who occasionally worship. Worshiping people who occasionally murmur Or murmuring people who occasionally worship. Their true nature is revealed in the wilderness. And so too with us. The wilderness times. They show us if we are worshiping people who occasionally murmur. Or murmuring people who occasionally worship. The wilderness shows us what's really in our heart. Who we really are. And so verse 22, going back to chapter 15, verse 22. And so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea Then they went out into the wilderness. No one goes into the wilderness. You don't travel through the wilderness. No one lives in the wilderness. And they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. Three days are out of water. That's the wilderness. And there's no water to be found. They run out of water and they're thirsty. And he's got two million people. And livestock, and children, and elderly people. And they're out of water. Now, when they came to Mara, verse 23, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. So the people, they're out there in the desert, they're out there in the wilderness, they run out of water, they're thirsty, they came upon a spring of some kind in the desert. You can imagine their joy. When finding this spring of water, you can picture them running up to the spring and plunging into the water, thinking it will provide them refreshment and satisfaction and quench their thirst only to discover the water is bitter. The name Mara means bitter. And and please note, these are redeemed people. These are people that are redeemed. These are people that are saved. These are people that are following God. God. And God's way includes a stop at Mara. God's way includes a stop at Mara. God's way includes a place of bitterness. Mara is part of the normal Christian life. We come to places in life that are a bitter experience for us, that leave a bitter taste in our mouth. We all go through disappointments. We all go through frustrations. We all go through setbacks and heartaches and heartbreaks. And maybe we thought that this would refresh us, that this would satisfy us, that we would enjoy this, that this would fulfill us, but it turns out to be bitter. We come to Mara. You can't bypass Mara. You can't go around Mara. You can't detour Mara. You can't skip over it. You have to stop there. This is God's plan. God planned to bring them to Mara, there's a purpose in it. And the people, verse 24, complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And so Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there God tested them. By the way, he's going to test them several times as we're going to see in the wilderness. And spoiler alert, going to, they're going to fail every test. Now, Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4, after his baptism, the Holy Spirit leads them where? Into the wilderness. Children of Israel, after their baptism at the Red Sea, God leads them into the wilderness for a series of tests. They're going to fail every test. Jesus, after his baptism, he's led into the wilderness where he's tested. He's tempted and he prevails in every test. He's our substitute. He gets right what we get wrong. That's why he's our substitute here. Here they complain, what will we drink? And Moses cried out to God and God showed Moses a tree. Not that God made a tree suddenly appear. God showed Moses a tree that was already there. And Moses cast the tree into the water and it made the water sweet. The tree speaks, of course, of the cross. Jesus hung on the tree for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And part of God's plan is to bring us sometimes to tomorrow, a place of bitterness that leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. And when you cast the tree into that bitterness, when you cast the cross into your bitter experience, The tree will make the bitter water sweet. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Have you learned that? Yes. Things can be terrible. Yes, things can be disappointing. Yes, we might come to places in life where we thought this is going to refresh me. This is going to satisfy me. This is going to fulfill me. And it's not what we thought it would be. It leaves a bad taste in our mouth. But you know what? Jesus hung on a tree for me. Jesus died for me and he redeemed me and he saved me and he took all my sins away. And I'm a child of God and I know he has a perfect plan for my life. And I know he has good works for me to walk in as a child of God. I know he has heaven for my home and he has an inheritance waiting for me in heaven because he hung on the tree for me. And so the cross makes every bitter thing sweet every bitter thing that might come your way, every time you come tomorrow, the cross makes it sweet and we can cast the tree into the bitter waters of life. Maybe you're just in a bitter season right now. The cross will make it sweet. The cross will make it sweet. So verse 25, again, there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them, verse 26, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give hear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals This is why, by the way, this is one of the reasons why when Jesus came, he started performing so many miracles and healing so many people. He was showing he's the Lord who heals. He's the God of Exodus chapter 15, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And then they came, verse 27, to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees And so they camped there by the waters. After bringing them to Mara, the place of bitter waters, the Lord led them to Elam, a place with 12 wells of water, abundance. Which, by the way, it's still there today in Saudi Arabia. There's still 12 wells there. The locals still use the well. I was reading something today. Somebody that visited there in the last couple of years counted 100 palm trees now. So it's not 70 palm trees, it's 100 palm trees now, but there's still 12 wells there used by the locals. But here now, after being in the place of bitterness, now God brings them to a place of of abundant water and palm trees for shade. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And here, as we go through the wilderness, we go through the difficult times. It creates in us a thirst and that thirst is satisfied by Jesus Christ. The living water that comes from him. And so, Lord, we thank you for this chapter. We thank you for the way that you lead us and guide us and provide us with all that we need, with all of the things that we are challenged by, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody that's here and maybe they just find themselves In a wilderness time, in a dry season in life, or maybe they find themselves, Lord, at Mara, just a place of bitterness. Lord, I pray that you would minister to them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give them living water by your spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: He asked me how I
1: Ring of Truth just brought you another great verse-by-verse teaching with Pastor Dan Sexton. Aren't you glad you stuck around to listen? We trust today's words touched your life in a very real and personal way. Pastor Dan has been staying in the book of Exodus with its stories of redemption and so much more. You don't want to miss a single episode. And if by chance you already have, just go to CalvaryEC.com to catch up. While you're there... Check out our app to get other messages. Follow us on Facebook and iTunes, too. If you don't know that much about us or what we believe, make sure to visit the About tab. It will fill you in on what we're all about here. Are you in the Maryland area? Come visit us either Sunday morning or Thursday evening. Times can be found at calvaryec.com, so make sure to go there now. Meeting you face-to-face would be such a privilege. Our time with you has come to an end today, and so for now we say goodbye. But before we go, would you give us a call at 410-491-4592 and let us know how this program spoke to you today? Again, that's 410-491-4592. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. Thank you from Columbia, Maryland for listening to Ring of Truth.
3: signs and I recognize her.